This is my own private domicile and I will not be harassed! Bitch! Gangsters, what's up guys? What's the grant to a motherfucker like me? Can you please remind me? Get the world by the tail! Fat broads and horse-faced lesbians. Cute as shit. Oh, 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 skip, skip, skip. If you don't chew big red, then f you. That's so horny. Could you imagine if I hit the old water pipe with that thing? Oh. Great cash, homie. Three, two, one, let's fuck! Everybody's got to hear the shit on W Balls, W Balls, W Balls. gentlemen good morning ladies and gentlemen how are you how are you can you dig it i can i am actually this is a bizarre scenario i'm actually recording this before i record the previous week's podcast so a recap before the new stuff which is kind of bizarre since the new stuff hasn't happened yet and i usually don't try to do this i try to record them in chronological order but that is not happening at this point which is okay because we all like need a little shake up in our lives once in a while so here we are and I think that, you know, for this one, I, I always thought that this was going to be very, very interesting because at the end of the day, if you're just catching on in the podcast format of this medium and this platform and whatever this shit is, at the end of the day, I frankly don't really know half the time at this point anyway, but it started off, it all started off with just kind of a skimpy little internet blog that I kind of built out and did all the other shit or whatever. And as a writer and as someone who reads a lot and as someone who likes people and respects people who read and write a lot, I know that it's very, very easy, especially in our current culture with so much content, so much out there, everything else like that. It's so easy to get caught up in the blowing out of words so that the, at the end of the day, they really just don't mean shit at the end of the day. Like we just take words and we whore them out and we use them to kind of just be whatever we want to everybody. We see a bunch of words to mean one thing, a bunch of words to mean another thing. And we just wear them out, wear them out, wear them out until they mean nothing anymore. And I think that's a tremendous mistake because a lot of people, a lot of the most influential people in society, the really literate people, the people who could really be articulate and speak well and all this other stuff, they used words that a lot of the times weren't big and fancy and whatever, but they used words that were strong and powerful and conveyed a lot of emotion behind them and made people feel things and made people think about things. And it makes me very, very concerned and upset when people just kind of take words and just kind of throw them in every fucking third Instagram post they do and they talk about all this other shit in any way. So this was more out of, it wasn't out of total frustration, but it was more to kind of get people to appreciate the meaning of the words that we use and the words that we kind of intake and just see the value in the core of the word itself, not how we have just made these words to mean everything for everybody and all this other stuff, which I think, again, is a dramatic mistake. So these are in my opinion, and I haven't actually read this in a while. It's been, <coughs> excuse me, almost, um, I'm recording this on March 25th. So it's been about, 
oh, what is that? Like 19 months since I've read this post or made this post and then probably read this post because I really haven't gone back to this one a ton. So we'll see if I still agree with this. But these are, and what I wrote at the time, the five most overused words in our society and why we should not overuse them. So here we go. As I said before, I love words. They're beautiful. They're a great way to show that you're happy and that you're reflecting positive energy. Hey, you you heard those three sentences I just spoke, like above I'm talking right now. Fuck those three sentences. Got it? They're dead to you. Take them behind the barn and shoot them. Piss on their graves. You have the decency to bury them because I wouldn't. But let's be real. I really do love words. They're very important things. They're perhaps the most important invention in human history, other than the number system, organized religion, and white claw. They allow us to tell stories, to describe nouns, to communicate with one another, and to create value to things that cannot be spoken to life otherwise. A will to power, if you're into Nietzsche. These things that we call words are of tremendous value to human society. They've allowed us to contextualize said society, to form some kind of structural order around the way we perceive being and meaning. They're so simple, yet mean so much. Not a lot of things have the power that they do. And we should respect that power. We should be humbled before it. But, like most things humans touch, we tend to turn them to shit sometimes. Well, this is not a lesson in value economics. The same apply concept applies. In economics, when a resource loses its scarcity, it loses its value. There's only enough gold on the face of this planet to fill three Olympic-sized swimming pools. Now, that might seem like a fuck ton of gold, but in terms of a whole world, it's really not that much, especially when you compare it to other natural minerals and resources such as iron ore and petroleum and all that stuff, or water, for that means. I mean, how many swimming pools could water fill? A lot. I mean, there are a lot filled. You don't swim in gold, you swim in water, obviously. Um, which is exactly what gives gold the value that it does. It's the same principle that works for fossil fuels, diamonds, precious metals, and stones in Kanye West. There are only so much of them that we have our, at our disposal. It's why the air is free to breathe, and you can buy a 24-pack of water at your local CVS for around $3. There's an infinitesimal amount of air. There's a lot of fresh water, at least in the area where we're fortunate enough to live. But there isn't a lot of gold, fossil fuels, diamonds, precious minerals and stones, and Kanye Wests, and especially not a lot of Kanye Wests, since there only is one of them. Words fall in this category of scarcity. There are only a finite amount of them, and we use them at their peril. With excessive use, as we've covered before, they lose value and eventually become distorted and warped beyond their initial comprehension. They become effectively meaningless, useless in doing what they were intended to accomplish in the first place. Provide value. And we must not let this happen. We have to devote ourselves to efficient uses of our words so that we may not abuse them. They, may, they must not lose their value. Too much depends on their utility for them to do so. But sadly, due to those aforementioned Instagram posts and tequila, some of our most important ones are, in fact, losing their value. They're dropped more often than rational thoughts in a Joe Biden speech or contextual awareness in a President Trump Twitter thread. Oops, is that too... Oh, well, it's, it's not too soon anymore. I, I says, oops, too soon in the bio. It's been two years since this point. We can move on. And I'm going to be honest. The last couple posts that I write... I write a lot of heavy shit and podcast a lot about heavy shit. And I need to let off some steam. I do, however, believe that this... <coughs> excuse me, this podcast can still be meaningful. And very meaningful, in fact. And the value that I hold in highest regard is the application and use of self-awareness in our everyday lives. And this podcast is going to be a call to that self-awareness, only in terms of our vernacular rather than what we might normally think of it being deployed to. We must recognize the words that we must not overuse, because those words have tremendous value. They create immense amounts of meaning within our relationships and with ourselves. 
We cannot afford to devalue that meaning because if we do so, we devalue the meaning of those corresponding relationships and selves. And that is something we must, do, must avoid doing at all costs. So without further ado, here are the top five words that, in my opinion, need to crawl under a hole and die. Well, at least not be said a lot less than they are. Hint, you can find them in those first four, three forsaken sentences. But they are forsaken. No one will help if you come seek them. Smaug voice. That's a Lord of the Rings reference for all of you who are not into Lord of the Rings. Which you should be, but in any case. The fifth most overused word. Great. So we're going to start off with the one that I feel is the most mild. Probably because it's the one that's been overused for the longest. According to the dictionary, the definition for the word great is, quote, remarkable in magnitude, degree, or effectiveness, end quote. Newsflash, there are n not many things that fit this category, like, at all. No, Cheryl, the mocha frap you just ingested from Starbucks wasn't great. It just revived you from the dead like that seven, the 700,000 others before it. No, Thad, the sex you just had with Elaine wasn't great. Trust me, she'll tell you. You busted in approximately 23 seconds. No, Elaine, the sex with Thad wasn't great. You just hyped it up to your girls as such because you haven't gotten your back blown out in two months. Not that Thad even did that in the first place, having lasted approximately 23 seconds. Great has been overused for one reason. Our laziness. There are so many other words to describe things that are remarkable in magnitude, degree, or effectiveness. Visceral, inspiring, magnificent even. Yet we plug the word great because it succumbed to our own mental laziness rather than to use the other billion words in our dictionary. There are very few things that are, quote, great, that fit the definition of being remarkable in magnitude, degree, or effectiveness. Kanye West is great. Alexander the Great was great. Rosa Parks was great. The Godfather is great. 20, uh, 50th anniversary this weekend, by the way. Please watch the movie. The Pacific Ocean is great. This internet video that you posted on, that I posted on this page is great. Please don't read this blog.com. Go watch it. It's awesome. <clears throat> when we delude the word great, we deprive things that deserve our greatness of greatness itself. When we devalue truly great things, we elevate things that do not deserve to be in that same category or even are close to being within it. When we allow mediocrity and non-greatness to close the gap on the truly great, then nothing becomes great. I hate to burst your bubble, dog, but we live in the real world here. There are winners and losers. No one is equal to one another. We are all different, stratified around some cosmic mean, waiting to be assorted into some hierarchy of dominance. There are no participation trophies and pats in the back. I am not great. You are most likely not either. Not a lot of people in this world are. We are all specks of dust orbiting around specks of dust on the shoe of this person called the universe. We are nothing in the grand scheme of things. Let's save that grandiose for the people that truly deserve it. If it becomes mere you, let other people tell you and elevate you if it indeed is true. Don't embellish. Don't violate the first of the four don'ts. Don't be fake. Or any of the others, for that matter. The voices of the masses speak for themselves, although you must be careful of those as well. Internet memes, social justice warriors on Twitter, and wannabe SoundCloud rappers come and go. Let them. Do not cling on to something in hopes that it becomes great. If it truly is, it will find a way to stay. There is not a lot that is great. Stop pretending that there is.
The fourth most overused word, happy. Ah, the thing that seemingly everybody is looking for. The one thing that everyone is always seeking but cannot be captured seemingly by anyone. An elusive fuck happiness is. And the definition for that elusive fuck is, quote, enjoying our character or characterized by well-being and contentment, end quote. Big Sean once rapped, quote, but when you stop looking, you're going to find what's meant to be, end quote. This right here is exactly the problem and why people constantly find themselves overusing such a beautiful word as happy. I do this all the time with this word and all the others in this post and many others. I, I write, I talk for a living both in this job and my other job. I fuck up with these a lot. So this is more me talking to myself than anything else, by the way. I'm naturally a person that likes to go out and earn things. I don't like stuff getting put right in front of me. That's gluttony, not accomplishment in my opinion. This is naturally permeated into all aspects of my life, simply through osmosis of the mind. Want a good grade on an exam? Go study for 25 hours next week. Want to throw a charity event? Go sketch out an outline network with the right people and make it happen. Want to talk to an attractive girl at a bar? Throw a couple of Crown Royal Diet Cokes back, make a fool out of yourself, and end up not doing it anyway, you bitch. But, you see, I've learned that this isn't necessarily how all things work. I met my first girlfriend on a tail end of an internship in another city five days before I was supposed to move home. Didn't sketch out an outline for that. My job that I'm currently in and loving was an afterthought. Didn't factor in that hashtag life goals Pinterest board into the equation. A strange beer virus from China that literally wrecked every my, my ambition for the entire last six months of my college career and the start of my professional career forced me to center my life and take personal responsibility for all of it. No one saw that shit coming either. <coughs> shit happens. Good and bad shit happens. Happiness is on the good side of that. We should let happiness emulate that shit. When we constantly chase something so vivaciously that we literally beat it to death on a street corner with our constant obsession with it, we end up seeing it as an end and not a means. Happiness being, quote, characterized by well-being and contentment should not be a goal. If it is, I would recommend taking it off. It's pretty terrible when you waste the rest of your life with only a short time to feel characterized by well-being and contentment. Contentment, I should say. You can't earn happiness. You can't study for it, plan for it, or hate on someone else for having it. You simply are. When you constantly overuse the word by saying that you're happy all the time, that you're constantly looking for happiness, that you just want to be happy, you are directly contributing to your unhappiness. I hate to break this to you, and hint, I actually don't, but manifestation, the thing that Napoleon Hill stated in the first self-help book ever back in the day, isn't real. It doesn't exist. You can't simply materialize something that isn't there into existence. Not only is it, illogical, is it illogical and stupid, but it's also counterintuitive. When you are constantly overusing the word happy, you are directly stating the opposite of what you want to be. Happy. You're not. You're just wishing that you were. Wanting some kind of fairy godmother or the tooth fairy or some shit to come and rescue you. When you dilute the word with excess, you take away from your state of potentially getting to be happy. Because the people who truly get it don't wish for anything. They simply are. <laughs> the third most overused word. Positive. So at this point you're probably saying, aren't I just a bowl of kittens and sunflowers? But sadly, the words that are overused the most generally have to do with the more optimistic sides of life. 
Due to our culture's current infatuation with mindless positivity, we've consumed ourselves in looking at the brighter side of life all the time, without any thought to what could happen if that side of life isn't positive in the slightest. The definition for the word positive is, quote, having a good effect, favorable. And this might confuse some people. We definitely need to celebrate the things that cause good effects within our lives and that create favorable scenarios in which we should live. But that's not the reason it's overused. Because positive things happen in abundance. However, it doesn't happen in as much abundance as people claim it to be in. Why? Because it turns out a lot of life is in fact not positive. A lot of life sucks or is boring or, mon or mundane. Not everything can be a positive experience. We cheat the positive experiences that we should enjoy when we elevate everything to being so. But due to our culture, and especially in my age bracket, being shifted much more towards feelings, we tend to view everything through rose-colored glasses. We don't want anything to suck, so we refuse to acknowledge when something does suck. This is an odd phenomenon. I personally knew people who have viewed death, suffering, disease, and other horrors of life as, quote, blessings in disguise, or, quote, lessons. And this has always puzzled me. We've talked about turning losses into lessons before, but this is different in my opinion. You can lose some type of game, a promotion, or whatever tangible and still be fine. Losing your grandmother to COVID or having your 12-year-old be addicted to bath salts and gaming and eating his sister in the process is a whole other story. Sad things are supposed to be sad. Negative things are supposed to be negative. You can pretend that nothing is wrong. That's your prerogative and you're entitled to it. But you can't say that everything is positive and warm and fuzzy all the time because life simply does not work that way. In my opinion, our generation uses this word as a coping mechanism for not wanting to face the reality of what truly awaits us outside the confines of our own hubris. Don't want to think about doing a line of coke 25, 20 minutes before an exam? Just think positively. Didn't prepare for that presentation for your quarterly sales competition? Just think positively. Putting off telling your girlfriend about a mysterious chad that keeps popping up on her phone at approximately 1.30 a.m. every Thursday night? Just think positively. I'm sure you didn't fuck her brains out that much, just every Thursday night at 1.30 a.m. Act and think positively all you want. Again, your choice. But when you allow to yourself to think of all the negative scenarios, that is when truth sometimes appears to be the brightest. Think of all the positive traits about yourself. Would they be positive anyway if you didn't have the things that you sucked at? This is a binary equation, a yin and yang of sorts. We overuse, quote, positive to avoid thinking ourselves about the negative, thinking to ourselves out of the negative parts of life. Jen Sincero and others like her have made millions of dollars in selling false hope to people that are already so desperately lost within their own minds that they have nowhere else to turn. Dead relative, just laugh at their funeral and think about something else. That will absolve your sadness. No, really, she said that in one of her books. This is not positivity. This is avoidance. Avoidance of the facts of life that are sometimes so horrible to adjust to that we don't know their depths until they inevitably come upon us. This leaves us unprepared and worse for the wear when they happen. We might not know how to cope. We might succumb to their despair. We might create other reasons to avoid them, thus driving our mental health into a further tailspin. We must not allow this to happen. We must avoid overusing this word that should only be used for what the word entails rather than masking our own failures, insecurities, and losses with them. In this way, only the positive will be positive. The rest will be either be boring or suck, as they should. <coughs> I'm sick, can you tell? <laughs>
The second most overused word, beautiful. And at this point, you're probably must, you must think I shit glitter by this point, right? I mean, you have to think that at this point. So, according to the dictionary, the definition of the word beauty is, quote, the quality or aggregate of qualities in a person or thing that gives pleasure to the senses or pleasurably exalts the mind or spirit, end quote. So that's a lot of big words combined into one big description. I have another angle that we could take on this. The angle of our old friend, evolutionary biology. As we've discussed before, attraction between males and females is quite simply from this perspective. If a male is confident and dominant in a physical and social way, women will be attracted to him. If a female is within breeding age and healthy, men will sweep to her like the plague. But that doesn't tell the whole story. To fill in the gaps, I want to go to our old friend and our other friend, Joe Rogan. Joe Rogan hosted evolutionary biologist, intellectual dark web husband and wife dream team, Brett Weinstein and Heather Hying on his podcast, two times, this is the first one I'm referencing, where they got to talk about the subject. Weinstein was probed by Rogan into answering who, what the difference was between a woman who is beautiful and a woman who is hot. For men, at least, I think this is a pretty easy question to answer. Weinstein, with help from Hying and Rogan, thought the same. There are three ways that evolution within human can, humans can occur. Seeing that the third is rape and that rape is awful, we'll stay away from that one. The first way is the way of beautiful people. The way beautiful people reproduce is that the two partners mutually invest in one another for the benefits of a sustainable life with offspring, in which they will engage with longer-term benefits in terms of both life and sexual satisfaction. However, due to advances in things such as advertising and birth control, the second way began to swing wide open, the way of hotness. The second way is what Weinstein described as, quote, an evolutionary bargain, a man and woman being able to have sex without the potentially, potential reckoning of birthing a child in most cases. That way, their sexual desires would be satisfied and they could not have the responsibility of pairing a child, hence the evolutionary bargain. However, according to Weinstein and Hying, this acceleration was occurring so rapidly that the pillars of beauty and hotness were starting to become inverted. In our culture of clicks and excess, we're diluting the word beauty by confusing it with hotness. We throw the quality out of the person out with the bathwater in favor of a more expedient way of going about our evolutionary methodology for our hierarchies. Beauty is holistic. It's right there in the definition. When we overuse that word, we hereby reward the other side of the equation, the expedient side, for qualities that it simply does not possess. When we do this, we risk taking away the true definition of beauty in favor of something that does not possess even remotely close to the same power and status. <coughs> Excuse me. As someone who has had a fair amount of experience with dating apps and other vices, I and probably a lot of a lot of y'all horny fuckers out there can attest that this is a very real issue. We're favoring the material over the immaterial in an issue that desperately does not need any more lighter fluid poured onto the fire. Think about it in this potentially depressing way: If you're my age, we all kind of look good now if we average out if we average out all of our levels of attraction. Let's say we're all at a collective seven. That seems to be the popular number for these things, anyway. But you see, this thing called aging happens. We lose the muscles, the bounce in our step, and start to sag in places. Makeup starts to not do women justice. Men injure themselves and lose metabolism. Our bodies start to break down on us on all fronts. We begin to lose the war. We become decrepit, old, and ugly. But we might not use our, lose our beauty. That happens when we invest in the immaterial as much as the material. 
when we develop our minds and spirits as much as our outward appearance, when we invest in ourselves properly to give us a fighting chance to value long-term satisfaction over short-term euphoria, because when hotness fails, beauty can reign supreme. Let's not delude the beautiful people out there. There are too few of them that put in the effort to do so. Don't condescend on them in favor of those who do not deserve it. Beauty can be forever, but hotness has the potential to disappear with tequila and Viagra. So, the most overused word. Love. Ah, the L word. Hello, darkness, my old friend, as they all say. According to the definition, the definition of the, or the dictionary, the definition of the word love is, quote, a strong affection for another arising out of kinship or personal ties, affection based on admiration, benevolence, or common interests, end quote. Love is perhaps the deepest word on the planet. Its meaning is so robust, so sound. Kinship does not come around very often. We have it for very few people. Neither does true admiration, benevolence, or common interest for that matter. It is incredibly rare that we find love, especially when it is outside of our circle of immediate family, which is what makes its overuse so troubling to see. The value of anything is determined on one thing, as we've talked about before. It's scarcity. Seeing that as a collection of scarce things is sufficiently harder to gain than just one scarce thing. It should be very rare that this word should be used, if at all. Yet we throw it around. Why? Well, I think it's because we so desire that kinship and scarcity that we attempt to drown ourselves in the fake things that we want to believe give them to us. It makes us feel good. It's nice to feel good. But it's not nice to delude something just for the sake of making ourselves feel good. Because love feels better than feeling good. We do not recognize this often. We don't realize it often, and it's a shame. Because our willful ignorance to the significance of the word, a gigantic break of the second don't, don't, by the way, blocks us from seeing the other side of the coin, how meaningful and powerful the word is in the correct way. No, you don't love your college roommate you met a week ago. No, you don't love Megan the Stallion. No, you don't love Cheez-Its. You can like these things, sure. But let's not deflate the most significant word in our language because you're chasing the ghost of something that isn't there. Love takes work, as we've seen before. Before it can even exist, you need a foundation of unconditional trust in order for it to function properly. This unconditional trust will allow you to fully express your values and who you are to the person without the outside fear of them judging you for who you really are. With that platform established, you can then initiate it to express deeper emotions and form that kinship with another person. It is very rare that you can do this. I doubt that you trust your recent college roommate, Megan the Stallion, or Cheez-Its unconditionally. Finally, I think there's another thing we need to discuss when it comes to love. It's not enough to carry anything by itself. I think that's what a lot of people get wrong about the word. They view it as some sort of magical cure-all for all of their lives' problems. Look no further than the guy writing this post for one of the scenario's biggest offenders. And, but the truth is, it's not. In fact, it's dangerous to think so. People do crazy and wild shit for love. Just ask Amber Heard or Lorena Bobbitt. Love can be weaponized for selfish purposes, much like wokeness can. People can use it as a tool to further their own gains, letting the realization that love is the mutualistic and selfish thing in and of itself. You need other things to truly reinforce love for what it truly is. 
Trust, as we've discussed, is the most fundamental. <coughs> Other things, such as independence, stability, and support, also play an essential role. When we overuse this word, we cheapen not only the word itself, but everything that reinforces it. Because, in the end, when we say we love everything, we are saying that we love nothing. And that is a world that I don't believe any of us would like to live within. Words have a special connotation in our culture. We should not devalue them by their overuse, or we risk destroying them and that special connection. We should only use specific words when they are truly meant to be used for the purposes of the words themselves. If we keep saying things that we don't mean and being lazy with our own wordplay, soon we will live in a world where things have no significance whatsoever. We're already trending in that direction, in my estimation, and I say we should go no further. A lot fucking further since we last wrote this in August of 2020. So, be careful with what you say and to whom you say it. You never know what could happen when you actually need one of those words to help you out. When you know it's the right time to use one, use one. It could do you a tremendous benefit. Or help land you an evolutionary bargain to each their own. Okay, guys, so that is my... That is my... That is, that is the podcast for this week. A little bit shorter and simpler this week. Wanted to make... You guys have easy on the ears for once in a while. I knew I can ramble and get all up in your shit when you might not want me to, or you might want it because you actually listened this far in the podcast. But anyway, guys, thanks for tuning in this week. I really appreciate it. Actually, the week before this week, so actually next week. Thank you for tuning in. So on the day, open your mind. Thanks for listening, guys. See you next week. Hopping, stopping, hopping like a rabbit. When I take the Nina Ross, you know what that's to happen. I lay back in the cut, retain myself. Think about the shit and I think it well. How can I mix my grip? And how should I make that nigga straight?